0: Welcome to Fresh Fusion, a weekly show where we discuss the business, the art, the ethics of content creation on the open web, and sometimes techie stuff in general, as you'll soon hear in today's episode. My name is Jared White, and this is episode 83, E-Scooters and the News with Feedbin. (laughs) I feel like I'm a DJ introducing some new hit record. Listen to the latest hit record from eScooters and the News, featuring Feedbin. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, uh, we have a whole lot of stuff to cover on the show today, and I don't want to go on too long. So let's just move right into it, starting with follow-up. So back in episode 81 of Fresh Fusion, uh, I talked a bit about how I didn't think it was that big of a deal to, uh, you know, copy a profile link in some Mastodon instance somewhere and paste it into your own Mastodon instance to follow them or whatever. Um, however, good news for folks that are on Mac OS or iOS, iPad OS, um, Federico Vitici over at Mac Stories has created a new shortcut. So if you install his shortcut called Masto Redirect... Uh, It lets you easily, uh, you know, run that shortcut when you're in Safari or something like that, uh, viewing somebody's profile on on any instance of Mastodon, and it will automatically redirect to your own Mastodon instance in order for you to follow them and so forth. So, uh, yeah, that's a a pretty handy way to do things and uh, eliminates that step of having to copy something and paste it somewhere else. Uh, So, yeah, I... Definitely recommend that you go check that out if you are on Apple platforms. Speaking of Mastodon, which then means speaking of Twitter, a.k.a. Bird site <laughs> oh, I heard somebody make a funny joke about this, uh, changing the T to a Q. Quitter. <laughs> uh, because of all the crazy uh, Q conspiracy stuff that seems to be taking over on Twitter. Uh, it's just one crazy thing after another there's actually a site now called Twitter is going great. And that links there in the show notes, Um, just sort of documenting (laughs) pretty much on a daily basis, sometimes multiple stories a day of just uh, all the crazy things that are going on over at Twitter. Uh, So yeah, if you kind of like following along seeing uh, the meltdowns in real time, Uh, check that out. Um, There's also a link in the show notes to Dave Chappelle uh, bringing Elon Musk on stage with him. I think it was like in San Francisco or something like that, some big stage there where Dave Chappelle was doing a a huge show. And I don't know why, but he brought Elon Musk out and then the crowd started booing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> quite a lot, a lot of booze for a while. And they all sort of seemed like deer in the headlights. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I don't, I don't understand why Dave Chappelle's doing this. I, I don't understand why he's, uh, it, it almost seems like he's intentionally trying to tarnish his legacy by just palling around with some questionable characters like Elon Musk um saying some really questionable things, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, he hasn't gone full on Kanye West level of insanity here, but um I worry. I worry that he is on a path towards worse and worse perspectives on on society today and on diversity and on marginalized groups and and he he should know better. He should know better than this. That's all I can say. On the other hand, of course, you know, he's still doing sold out shows and is very popular sort of you know at a macro level. So <laughs> he hasn't felt the pain yet, I guess, of Of, you know, ostracizing himself. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Moving along here, uh, continuing to follow up on various generative AI related things. Um, I I definitely want to do a whole episode just on quote unquote generative AI pretty soon. But in the meantime, I'll just kind of mention it in bits and spurts here and there. Uh, So, few links in the show notes, one to Seth Godin's blog where he talks a bit about GPT-3 and the attention economy and trust and all this stuff. I, I, you know, he writes short posts. He always writes short posts, but uh, I thought this was pretty good, a worthwhile read. MKBHD did a cool video over on YouTube, um, The Truth About AI Getting, quote, Creative, unquote, uh, I got fooled a little bit at the beginning of the video and and you'll see why if you watch it. Um, and he seemingly is kind of positive about it to start, but then he goes into a lot of the downsides and a lot of the gotchas and uh, the the ethical dilemmas surrounding generative AI right now. And I think those are all the, the worthwhile points that uh, folks like me are are really trying to get across early and often right now with this stuff also there was a really great episode of the upgrade podcast number 436 uh, where jason snell and his guest john Syracusa uh talk a lot about ai and and a lot of these ethical dilemmas and and issues with it right now and i, I thought that was a really worthwhile uh overview of all of these issues All right. Well, another point before we get to today's main topics, Um, this isn't really follow up, but a really, really amazing TV show I've been watching, White Lotus, just wrapped up season two on HBO. And I wouldn't have really guessed this to start with this show, but apparently this is one of HBO's top shows. Like this show is doing great for HBO. (laughs) White Lotus is a hit. And uh, season two, I think, was just as good, if not better than season one. And season one was pretty awesome. Uh, so if you're not familiar with White Lotus, I don't want to give too much away because um, uh, the, the premise seems simple, but then it like it's so weirdly constructed. <laughs> it, it's really not very much like any show I can think of. I have not seen a a story that's quite like this. So essentially what it is is uh, it follows a a number of different characters that all come to stay at a White Lotus Hotel, a resort, essentially. And and the first season takes place in Hawaii, and the second season actually takes place in Italy. And uh, almost all of the characters in the second show – Are different. There's just a couple characters that kind of cross over from season one to season two. Uh, So it has a bit of an anthology feel. um, And the White Lotus setting, you know, like this kind of resort setting on an island or in some magical place, uh, it's as much a character as any of the people in the story. Um, and the, sort of the point of the show is to is to kind of see like people that s- seemingly on the outside are are glamorous and successful and there to have a great time at this resort, but the reality is like everyone is totally messed up and miserable and kind of losing their grip on reality. <laughs> Uh, and there's just there's intrigue and, and thriller sort of aspects sometimes and uh, murder <laughs> and just crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, I definitely recommend you check out White Lotus on HBO if you have not already. Uh, I love it. And apparently a lot of people love it because it's one of HBO's top shows right now. All right, with all that out of the way, on to today's main topics, I have two different topics I'd like to cover. The first is my review of the Anyhill UM2 electric scooter, Uh, and then after that I want to talk a little bit about my adventures uh, looking around for an RSS newsfeed reader and uh, trying out Feedbin, and also trying out an alternative browser on macOS and iPadOS called Orion. So we'll get to all that here pretty soon, but in terms of the Annie Hill UM2, here's the background for this real quick. I haven't had a car in a while now. Um, my car is being used primarily by my ex to travel around and and be able to get places with our two kids when they're not staying with me. Uh, so yeah, uh, basically, you know, I I live in. The pretty dense urban environment of Portland. Uh, so I don't, strictly speaking, need a car on a daily basis. You know, I can get around on streetcars, on buses, and that sort of thing. But I-, I really like kind of being out in the elements. <laughs> you know, like, unless it's like really horrible weather out, I-, I like I like being outside and I like bopping around outside. So if- you know, unless I want to just walk, which I certainly do. Um, but you know, if I if I want to get places a little bit in a speedier fashion, go a little bit farther than I might if I were just walking, uh, it's it's really nice to use something like an electric scooter. And Portland for a while now, of course, has had rentable electric scooters. And I've done that quite a bit. Um, but those are sort of just there for, for fun, really. They're, they're there to kind of do something for you in a pinch if you want to get from point A to point b, and that kind of makes the most sense. Um, but i've I've never felt like I could rely on renting electric scooters on a daily basis to to you know do serious traveling like, you know, a run to the grocery store or heading off to a coffee shop to work for a while and then heading off somewhere else to do whatever, you know, go to the hardware store, like, <laughs> you know, things that you need a vehicle for, per se. Uh-huh. I could use a bike, of course. I could bike around, um, but I really like using electric scooters. They're just so much fun uh, and and it's kind of nice that you can go a ways at a decent speed and not, you know, kind of like, get all flustered and work up a sweat, you know, (laughs) like, like you might if you're biking around a whole bunch. So I decided I would buy my own electric scooter. And uh, I I really came across the Anyhill UM2 because of Jimmy Chang's channel on YouTube, uh, where he reviewed it. And that review seemed really positive and kind of indicated that this was a Pretty darn good scooter for the money. It's, it's certainly one of the more affordable scooters. Uh, so I decided to, to give it a go. So so I bought an Anyhill UM2, uh, and this review is just you know completely my own opinion of owning this and using this. This isn't sponsored or anything like that. This is just my opinion. So first of all, I think the design is really nice. Uh, it comes either in all black or a black and white. Color scheme, and I prefer the black and white. I think it looks really nice. Um, the does the 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 proportions work really well for me. It might not work perfectly well for everybody, but in terms of the height of the handlebars and kind of how everything's situated, uh, it it really works well for me. Uh, the readout where you can see the speed and the battery and you know all that stuff kind of there at the top of the post. Or whatever that's called. Um, it's very easy to read. I've never had any problems seeing that clearly. Uh, one cool feature that I didn't even realize it had until I started using it is cruise control. So if you're going at a certain speed, you know, if you use the, the acceleration throttle to, to get to a certain speed and you stay at that speed consistently for a few seconds, you hear a little beep and it goes into cruise control. So then you can let go of the throttle And it'll just cruise along at that speed. So, you know, if you're going like 10 or 12 miles per hour cruising along, uh, you don't have to hold the throttle anymore. You can just cruise, which is really nice. There are three different drive modes. There's echo. There's just normal drive, whatever that's called, and sport Uh, I pretty much just stick to normal. Uh, The Echo one kind of limits your speed. (laughs) It it really kind of slows everything down. Uh, And the only reason you'd use that essentially, is if you're getting low on battery and you kind of want to avoid doing anything that will suck too much power out of the battery. Sport's the opposite. Sport's going to give you a super vroom-vroom feel and go as fast as possible if you want to go full speed, Um, but that's going to use a lot of power. So normal is kind of a nice in the middle, and that's what I use. There's a braking throttle on the left, which um, I don't know exactly how it works, but It kind of feels like it's just slowing down the motor intentionally rather than like actually braking per se. Um, But that actually works pretty well most of the time. There is a brake handle on the right that's more like a bike style brake handle. And you can use the braking throttle and the brake handle both at the same time for a really sudden stop. But you almost never need to do that. So I usually just use the, the braking throttle on the left. Um, there's a bell of course, so you can ding, ding to alert people as you're going by. Um, headlights work really well and are easy to toggle on and off. There's actually just a button right on the post that you can just press the button to turn those on and off. And it's also the same button that if you hold down for a few seconds, will turn the vehicle on or turn it off. There's also an iOS app that you can connect via Bluetooth. It's pretty rudimentary, but it works fine uh, it essentially lets you put it into park uh, do a parking lock kind of thing um, and that um, just essentially makes it so the scooter is kind of like braked so if somebody all of a sudden just grabbed it and started to try to walk off with it they couldn't ride it easily or anything like that uh, so it's kind of a deterrent that way and you can toggle the headlights on and off from the iOS app but you know these are all just like the little details. You're probably wondering, okay, but what's it like to ride? <laughs> and yes, it's great. It's really great to ride. Uh, I haven't, I, I don't have that much experience with e-scooters beyond what's just available for rent in Portland area. So, you know, I've tried out a few of the different models that have been around the last few years. But, um, you know, so, so, you know, there's probably like, if you were to spend thousands of dollars on a top-of-the-line electric scooter, I'm sure it would be better than this. Um, but from my vantage point, like this is a really great scooter. Certainly, a great scooter for the price. Like it feels great to me. It's fun to ride. It feels pretty zoom, zoom, vroom, vroom, fun. <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, a better way to describe it, but um, yeah, it's it's great. Um, one reviewer I saw on YouTube uh, did say it was a little bit ironic that the name of this is Any Hill because it's not that great going up a hill. Like, if there's somewhat of a steep incline, it slows way down, which is kind of a bummer. But, um, you know, most of the time, if you're kind of just going up and down somewhat gentle grades in an urban environment or whatever, it's perfectly fine. Um, and it, it goes quite a ways, you know, like, I, I can... Write it in sort of, you know, chunks of, say, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, going here and there throughout a day and, you know, kind of bop around town, essentially, <laughs> and bring it back home. And, you know, it's barely used even half of the battery. I can probably get like another day's worth of, of usage out of it before I have to recharge it. Speaking of recharging, this brings us to the best feature of the um2 which is that it has a detachable battery yeah you can you can literally pull the entire battery unit which which sits inside of the of the platform that you stand on Uh, you, you can just slide the battery right out of it and then just you know bring it to wherever like in your house or in an office or whatever and charge with your charger away from the scooter itself so this is pretty cool. <laughs> I feel like this is kind of the killer feature of the Anyhill UM2, being able to uh, to to use this detachable battery. Now, if you want, you can buy additional batteries from Anyhill, but it's essentially $300 for a battery. <laughs> this is not a cheap battery, so... Um, At some point down the road I'll probably buy a second battery just so I can have like a fully charged battery at home at all times so you know if I if I bring the scooter home and it's almost out of energy and I still need to use the scooter some more later in the day for example I would easily be able to just swap the battery around and have a fully charged battery again and kind of keep swapping those batteries but for now having one battery is perfectly fine And uh, hopefully that will will last a while for me. So you can get the Anyhill UM2 a number of different places. I bought mine from Best Buy. It looks like right now uh, in the United States, uh, Best Buy is selling the Anyhill UM2 for around $750. I actually got mine a little bit less than that. I'm not sure why. I guess there was some kind of sale going on, but it looks like it's around $750. So, comparing that to a lot of other scooters right now, it definitely seems like this is one of the best bang for your buck e scooters available. And I'm pretty darn happy with mine. So, if you're looking to get an electric scooter, I would definitely recommend uh, taking a close look at the Anyhill UM2. All right, with that down and out of the way, on to the final topic for today. I am using a new RSS feed reader. Basically, the story here is, for a long time, I was actually using uh, a newsfeed reader that I developed myself, and I kept thinking I might uh, put some more work into it so that I could release it publicly, and that's just never happened. (laughs) I eventually decided, you know if i'm not going to release this anywhere and i'm not going to take the time to even improve it and you know fix little things that bother me sometimes about it maybe i should really try to find a publicly available and supported alternative <laughs> um and i've i've started to go down this path a couple times in the past and didn't didn't really feel like i'd gotten a good handle on it Um, But I gave it another go just a few days ago. And so far, the one that has stood out to me that I've really been enjoying using is Feedbin at Feedbin.com. They have, uh, of course, they have the website version of Feedbin, but there's also uh, apps for iPad and iPhone. Um, I'm not sure if there's an Android app. But um, the thing about Feedbin is it's both an app and an RSS hosting and syncing service. So there's a lot of other apps, you know, in all the various computing ecosystems that can, you know, use Feedbin under the hood to, you know, manage and sync all the feeds. But, you know, then you can use those those third-party apps. So um, I've looked a little bit into some different third-party apps that can work with Feedbin, on, you know, iPhone, iPad, even Mac. But so far, for for a few different reasons, um, I really just like Feedbin itself. I, I think this is going to work just fine for me. Um, I like that the interface is really simple. I think uh, some of the typography options are really nice. Um, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not as whiz-bang fully featured as a lot of other feed readers out there. Um, but for me, that's actually fine. Like one of the reasons I developed my own is I wanted one that was really basic, and kind of emphasized, you know, the, the visual uh, minimalism, and nice typography that um, appeals to me. And And I don't, know that I would say Feedbin is quite as appealing as my own. (laughs) But you can't judge that because mine isn't available. So you'll just have to take my word for it. But I do think Feedbin looks pretty nice. Um, And it has a couple of particularly interesting features. Uh, One is that you can um, create an RSS feed out of starred articles. In other words, you know, when you're looking at different feeds in Feedbin and there's any particular article that you want to save to, you know, kind of come back to or or, you know, collect in some way, you can star it. But then that list of starred articles can itself be made available as an RSS feed that you can then import anywhere else. And so what I've done is I've created a, a little task, a little plugin kind of thing, uh, for my own website that uses Bridgetown. Um, so I so I wrote a Bridgetown task that can download the starred articles RSS feed, and then let you choose, you know, one of a re, uh, one of the recent articles to uh, turn into a link post. So. Um, if I want to, you know, excerpt something from an article and then comment on that and, and publish that as a link post on my site, I can now use these starred articles as jumping off points for that, make, make creating those link posts a lot easier. So that's really cool. This is kind of a killer feature for me um, at this point and why I would probably continue to use Feedbin into the future. Another potentially exciting feature is that uh, you can subscribe to YouTube channels really easily, Uh, essentially just, you know, paste in a YouTube channel URL when you create a new subscription in Feedbin, and then you'll have um, a list of, you know, whatever the latest videos are uh, that, that will come in from that channel. But (laughs) uh, it kind of doesn't work for me really the way I would like it to because there's no way to uh, make the YouTube video go full screen on the iPad. And truth be told, I would say like 90%... or something like that. Of all the YouTube video watching I do, it's all on my iPad. You know, even if I'm working at my computer, I have my iPad off to the left of me and it's playing some kind of videos. I'm working on stuff. Um, you know, I'm rarely watching YouTube directly on my computer. I rarely watch YouTube videos on my phone. I occasionally watch them on my TV, but most of the time it's the iPad, right? So, um, so, it's kind of a no go for me to have YouTube subscriptions in Feedbin, but not be able to, you know, make the video playback full screen. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Uh, maybe at some point they'll figure out a way to fix that. But yeah, uh, I'm really happy with Feedbin, and uh, I, th- I think this is going to work well for me. Uh, if you're if you're on the lookout currently for an RSS feed reader, or or maybe thinking of switching to something new for whatever reason, uh, I definitely recommend that you check Feedbin out and see if that uh, works well for you. And kind of, kind of on a side note here, um, I'm starting to try out some alternative browsers on the Mac. And when I say alternative, I mean like really alternative. <laughs> I don't mean like Firefox. I mean alternative browsers like Vivaldi or hopefully I'll, I'll be able to try out ARC soon. I'm on the ARC wait list. Um, but so far, one that's standing out to me is Orion, the Orion browser. Um, there's a few things I really like about it. One is um, having uh, tabs in, the, in a sidebar, which is a cool thing and I think a nice for, um, you know, sort of like using the browser as a as an application viewer. (laughs) Uh, In other words, like I'm actually using Feedbin in Orion on my Mac. Uh, I'm also using Mastodon now in Orion and and a few other things. So kind of I'm kind of thinking of Orion as the place where I have apps running web apps. Um, and, And it's pretty nice for that. Uh, there are some, some cool features that Orion has, for example, um, you can go into a full screen focus mode, um, not necessarily, not necessarily the full screen, but like the full window, I guess you could say like, like there, there's no more browser Chrome in the window. Like all you see is the web app, um, and you can, you know, easily toggle that on and off from the menu, which is really cool. I, I really, really like that. You can also uh, make a window float on top. So, you know, if you want something that was kind of like off in a corner, kind of always floating above everything else, you know, maybe maybe it's like, uh, you know, some kind of music service or something that you want playing. Uh, You can you can toggle that on and off. So, yeah, there, there's definitely some things I like about Orion specifically um, as compared to just you know using Safari as I normally do. And I'm still using Safari for most things, right? Like I'm I'm not looking to leave Safari behind. Uh, but I think there's room in my life for an alternative sort of power user browser with some some interesting new features that you don't normally see on. On the main browsers, uh, so so I'm trying out Orion for that, and I'm really looking forward to trying out Arc soon. I've been hearing a lot about Arc, and it seems like that has a lot of cool power user features, including being able to add your own CSS on any site, which I I don't really know <laughs> why the main browsers got rid of this. Like I really want to be able to have user style sheets on some different sites and be able to to add my own css uh so uh, it sounds like art can do that and i look forward to trying that out all right folks uh i think that's it for today's episode i hope you've enjoyed hearing a bit about feedbin hearing my review of the any e. hill um2 uh and some of those other follow-up uh things that we discussed As always, you can find me at jaredwhite.com and you can listen to past episodes of the show at jaredwhite.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, bye bye.